14. Revelation 14. And uh, we've gotten started on this chapter, but we're coming to verses 6 through 11. And uh, this is really kind of uh, two parts where we'll talk about when the end comes. And uh, we're going to see what the end holds for the sinner. What do the end was the end hold for the sinner? Now in chapter 14, it's a very interesting chapter, because in its verses, God takes care of some tribulation housekeeping, so to speak. In verses 1 through 5, the Lord shows us the fate of 144,000. If you remember, the 144,000 are saved Jewish preachers who traveled the world preaching the gospel of grace, and these men are divinely sealed and protected as they carry out their ministry. And when their time was completed, the Antichrist is allowed to take their lives, and in verses 1 through 5, it's a picture of them in ho at home, in heaven, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verses 14 through 20 are going to speak about the horrific battle of Armageddon. Uh, sometimes uh, that's kind of what uh, some people like to, well, when are we going to get to the battle of the Armageddon? Well, it's, it's coming, okay? Uh, and uh, so it's going to occur, though, at the end of tribulation. Uh, we'll look at that, the Lord willing, in our next study. But today we're going to focus on attention of the verses in uh, actually 6 through 11 or 6 through 13. Uh, the passage speaks of the future that awaits two distinct classes of people. Verses 6 through 11 are the ones we're really interested in today. Uh, the future of the lost sinner. And then we'll look at, uh, I guess next time would be considering uh, verses 12 and 13. It's going to speak about the future of faithful saints. So uh, we may not get to the Armageddon yet, so... Hang on. Now, these verses speak about future events. And yet, we, we find that they're still relevant to us today. Every person in this room is going to come to the end of your earthly journey someday. There will be an end of the road for each one of us. Uh, we do not like to think about that. But we need to think about that. We need to know what's coming so we can properly prepare for that hour. When the end comes, you and I need to be ready. So when the end comes, there will be no more time to, to prepare. When the end comes, how we leave this world will, sh will be how we enter eternity. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 3, Solomon said, If the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Well, that's the same thing that's true about your life and my life. And yet the end finds us, whether saved or lost, and that determines how eternity will preserve us. We must be ready. So today we're going to consider these verses which clearly declare that the end hold, what the end holds for both the tribulation sinner and then we'll be looking at the tribulation saint a little bit later on in part two. Uh, so for a few moments, let's think about when the end comes. First of all, a final proclamation, verse 6 and verse 7. 
And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the water. Now these uh, verses depict an angelic messenger flying above the earth, proclaiming the everlasting gospel. This angel declares the same message preached by Paul, by Peter, John, and all the rest of the apostles. It's the same message preached by the, uh, uh, the true believers for the last 2,000 or so years. The message isn't changing. Now, the problem is that many times in what people want to call their churches, churches, the message is changing. And we don't need to change the message. Amen. We've got the message right here, and we don't need to change it. So this is the main message that the angel delivers. It's the message of salvation. It's about the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's the gospel. Now, we've already talked about the gospel in our study of 1 Corinthians, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. See, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Romans 1, 16. It's really a simple message, isn't it? Romans 10, 9. That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that the Lord hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's an available message. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a message of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. It's a message of hope. John 6, 37. And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. It's a message of eternal salvation. John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John 10, 28, says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's a message of peace in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Uh, it's a message that was proclaimed at the Garden of Eden. Genesis 3.21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothed them. It was pictured in the law. And purchased on Calvary, John 19 and verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It's a message as fresh as the need of today, yet it's older than creation. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 20 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition, by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. And then Revelation 13, if you go back one chapter to verse 8, and it says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, 
uh, book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. See, it's the only message that will save the human soul from the wrath of God and eternity in hell. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4 and verse 12, Neither is there, any, is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And yet it's a message that has been, it is, and will be rejected by sinners until the end of time. This message has been preached for more than 2,000 years. It has been ignored by most that have heard it. It's being ignored in this day in which we live. It will be ignored during the dark days of the tribulation. Many people will be saved. Thank God for that. But many, many, many more will be lost. And the people in the tribulation will refuse to hear the 144,000 evangelists. They will refuse the preaching of the two witnesses from Revelation 11. And the world will seem uh, to even rejoice when they are dead and gone. The world will refuse the steadfast, faithful testimony of the tribulation saints. The world will be removed by their, uh, uh, by their love for Jesus, their testimony, and even by their blood when they are martyred for the failure to worship the beast. The world will turn a deaf ear to all human efforts to bring them to Jesus. And in a final effort to reach them, God will entrust the gospel to an angel. He will preach the message to a universal audience. He will call all people everywhere to flee the wrath to come. He will invite all people to come to Jesus for salvation. He will call them to refuse the Antichrist, embrace the true Christ. And it will be a powerful proclamation by a powerful preacher. But the world will remain defiant in rejection of the gospel. The salvation offered through the blood of Jesus is humanity's only hope. If Jesus is rejected, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, as it says in Hebrews 10, 26. And when the end shall come, it will be too late to believe the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. And if someone is here today and never believed the gospel and received Jesus as their Savior, they need to do that today. Amen. One day it's going to be forever too late. So there's a final proclamation. Secondly, there's a fatal pronouncement. Verse 8, And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Here we have a second angel appears and pronounces God's final judgment on Babylon. You may notice that the angel says, is fallen twice. Is that a typographical error there? No, it, it's in your Bible, it's in my Bible, it's on all of our Bibles, it's in there. And this indicates that Babylon's judgment is absolutely certain. If you didn't get it the first time, you better get it the second time. We'll consider Babylon in a greater detail when we get to Revelation 17 and 18, but today we'll try to understand why this city, above all others, is singled out for a special announcement or pronouncement of judgment. Now, Babylon is more than a city. Babylon is a philosophy. Babylon re represents everything the world is. Babylon represents everything that stands opposed to God and his perfect will. 
Babylon represents a system of unbelief. If we go back to Genesis chapter 10 and verse 8 through 10, we're introduced to the descendants of a man by the name of Cush. One of his sons was named Nimrod. Nimrod founded the city of Babel in uh, Genesis 8.10. It was here that mankind rebelled against the Lord and builded, uh, attempted to build the Tower of Babel. This tower was a place dedicated to the worship of the zodiac and the heavenly bodies. Babel was one of the first centers of false, idolatrous worship in this world, and Nimrod, Nimrod was the ringleader. Now, Nimrod, he was called a mighty hunter. And that phrase, mighty hunter, has been interpreted by some as a mighty hunter of souls. In other words, many scholars believe that Nimrod was the father of a religious system that was designed to seduce men and turn them away from the one true God. And so when they build their tower dedicated to the worship of idols and heavenly bodies, God intervenes and confuses their languages. But that did not destroy the seeds of a false religion they had been that had been planted in the hearts of men. People left Babel and, and, and carried their false doctrines with them around the world. Later, that place became Babylon. It was a city that was the capital of false religion and idolatry. It represents everything in this world that opposes God. And so in the tribulation, it speaks of the economic and religious kingdom of the Antichrist. Now, in this verse, Babylon is pictured as a harlot. Here she has been seen as seducing the foolish sinners of the world. She has led them away from God with her lies, and she is about to pay a terrible price. The judgment of God is coming upon her and her heresies, and none can stay his hand of judgment. And so the philosophy behind this mankind's religions and his religious heresies and the rebellion against God is going to be destroyed. Their foundation will be shattered by the wrath of God. So you have a final proclamation, you have a fatal pronouncement, and then you have a fearful portrayal. Here we see this in verses 9 through 11. As the angel appears, he preaches a message of judgment to all who will receive the mark of the beast, who worship the beast. The angel reveals what will happen to all those who refuse to receive the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. And this angel preaches a fearful message. But it is one that we need to take note of today. Look at verse 9. We've already talked about the mark of the beast. Verse 9 says, And a third angel followed them, saying uh, with a Loud voice, if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand. Now, that's what we've already talked about as far as the mark of the beast. We'll not go, and go through that again. But then we're told in verse 10, the same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb. And that's a horrible picture. So let's just take that a little bit piece by piece, phrase by phrase. 
First of all, you have the wine of the wrath of God. The word wrath translates the word thumos, and it's a word that pictures an explosion of wrath, a sudden outburst, a passionate display of anger. When God's wrath is poured out on this world, it will be a time of sudden judgment. And that there will be no escape from it. Secondly, there is uh, the phrase poured without mixture. When the wrath of God comes on this world, it will be pure and undiluted. Sinners and saint, Satan will never experience the undiluted fury of an offended God, but they will one day. They haven't done so far, but they will. Hebrews 10.31 says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And Hebrews 12.29, for our God is a consuming fire. And then there's the cup of his indignation. The word indignation translates other uh, New Testament word that is often translated wrath. It's the word orge. The word speaks of a slow rising anger. It's used to refer to like the sap rising in a tree. It's a picture of water rising behind a dam until the pressure of the water becomes so great that the dam will burst. It's an image of a person holding back their anger, becoming red-faced until they finally explode in wrath. And one day the dam of God's wrath will burst and all those who are outside of the relationship with Jesus are going to be doomed. And then in the presence of the holy angels, in the presence of the Lamb, the heavenly host, the Lamb of God, will stand as a constant reminder to the lost sinner that they did not have to arrive at this horrible place. They, would have, they could have been saved if they would turn to Jesus Christ by faith. Now, I think most horribly of all of this is a glimpse of the horrors that wait the lost sinner in the flames of hell. Verse 11 says, and the smoke, and the smoke of, of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, and who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Hell is a place of unending, unimaginable torment for the lost sinner. When they die without Jesus, they will go to hell. Once there, they will never know a second of rest or relief. They will go to a place where they will never die. They will suffer through eternity as they endure the wrath of God in hell. Now, it did not have to end this way. It does not have to end this way for anyone here today. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he bore our sins in his body, 1 Peter 2.24. And somehow in the economy of God, Jesus literally became our sins on the cross, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21. And during that time on the cross, God judged Jesus as if it were you and me. He poured out his wrath upon the body of his son, and the judgment was so complete that Jesus even cried out in anguish that he had been forsaken by by God. And so Jesus has already experienced the undiluted wrath of God on the cross. He suffered on the tree because you and I are sinners. He took our place on the cross. He suffered the wrath of God so that we would not have to. 
Now the only hope of salvation is Jesus Christ. Those who believe on him by faith will be saved and will spend an eternity in heaven. Those who reject him will spend an eternity in hell. And verse 11 will be their future. Question is, where will you be five seconds after you die? Well, it depends on what you do with Jesus. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he that ha he hath not believed in the name of the only be uh, son, begotten Son of God. He that believeth on the Son, verse 36, hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. 1 John 5.12, He that hath the Son of hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now, most, if not all here today, probably have put their faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know every heart here. Uh, no one uh, can know that except the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But you know, if there's someone here that claims to be a Christian, but they've never truly repented of their sin and received Christ as their Lord and Savior, there may be someone even listening to this message on our website that descri this describes you. You need to know that you're walking on a very dangerous path today. One day, you're going to lose everything. And the only reason you're not in hell right now is the good grace of a merciful God. At any moment, he will sever the golden thread of life and you could plunge into a Christless eternity where you will be lost forever. Don't let that happen. And here again is the promise and the call of the gospel. Uh, John 3.16, uh, we, we've uh, said that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Come to Jesus, be saved. Come before it's too late, for one day it will be too late. Proverbs 29 and verse 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Genesis 6 and verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And so today is the day of salvation for anyone under the sound of my voice to come to Christ and be saved and spend eternity with the Lord. Let's pray. Father,